coming up today on Podcast 1992, the electric VW Transporter is coming. Pre-order soon for the Range Rover EV and farewell to the dinky Honda E. Plus, stay tuned. Later in the show, I'll tell you what the average American is saying about EV battery recycling. Well, I'm Martin Lee. This is EV News Daily. And I go through hundreds of articles, feeds and stories a day. So you don't have to. We're live at 8 a.m. UK. That's 5 a.m. Eastern to start a brand new day with all you need to know. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Let's start with talking about a vehicle which for a long time they've said is going to be very difficult to electrify because it's big and it's heavy. And then we're talking Range Rover. Now, there are big, heavy EVs out there. See Tesla Model X. That does just fine. Thank you. But Jaguar Land Rover has struggled to get the Range Rover all electric. But pre-orders will start this year for sale by the end of 2024. The Range Rover EV will be made at their Solihull factory. That's the Midlands here, by the way. The electric Range Rover will use their MLA platform for both plug in hybrids and fully electrics. The vehicle program director there, Nick Collins, says the EV will be upholding of the traditional Range Rover uh, values and qualities like off-road power, capability, utility and refinement with zero compromise. They've got electric models coming for Range Rover, Discovery, Defender and Jaguar. New models coming for 2026 as well. And all of those will be electric by 2030, at least new models Two. Uh, Range Rover will initially use exter- externally sourced batteries, they say. Later, they will transfer over to Tata Produce, their owner Tata uh, Produce sells once the Gigafactory is open within five years, they say. The design of the electric Range Rover, they say, will mir- mirror the combustion versions. So it'll be an iconic silhouette on that. The previously planned electric Jag XJ was scrapped because of a shift envisioned by the old CEO, Thierry Blory. Jaguar Land Rover and BMW are collaborating on electric drive systems, possibly impacting Range Rover's electric design and power, but any specifics we don't know, watch this space. Let's say farewell to a couple of great little dinky cars. First of all, the Honda E. We say farewell, discontinuing the Honda E in Europe, and that includes the UK market as well. Ceasing production and closing the order books. The Honda E, well known for its unique design. Cute as a button front, headlights inside as well. Fantastic dash, very unique, very interesting, unlike many other things at that price point. And unfortunately, it wasn't, I don't think, marketed very well. It's very high priced, but that's okay. There are buyers at every price for every car, but it had limited range, had a higher price. I don't think it was marketed particularly well. Honda aren't known for going electric. It seemed like an outlier. Honda don't seem all in on electric. Maybe that put buyers off thinking, oh, can I get this serviced in future years if Honda aren't really going forward with electric vehicles as much as others? Very distinctive rear drive architecture as well. So fun to drive. But sadly, after three years, discontinuing the Honda E. I think that's a real loss. I love the little Honda E. Never owned one, but what a great little car. And now that they are discontinuing that, they're not making any more new ones. Hopefully, there'll be some in stock that you can get if you want to. Maybe it'll drive up used prices. Maybe they become collector's editions. They'll definitely be a curiosity in the world of electric vehicles. Only three years of production. And so if you want one, you'll be buying a used one. And I think... Uh, a really great little car. I also think the Renault Zoe is a great little car, and you know that because I've owned two of them. And we knew 
that that was ending because we knew the Zoe was coming to an end. There's the Renault 4, the Renault 5, they're coming. And production finally ends on the Renault Zoe next March at their factory in France. The final Zoe will roll off the production line 30th of March next year, alongside the end of production for the Smart 4.4-based Twingo as well, the electric version of that. Renault's phasing out the Zoe to focus on the Renault 5. That debuts at the Geneva Motor Show in February, I think I'm right in saying. I'll check my notes on that. Love to go, actually. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, Despite its popularity, the Zoe doesn't actually have a direct successor. It's been the best-selling EV in France. It's been the best-selling EV in many European countries over the years as well. More recently, a 52-kilowatt-hour battery and 240 miles of range with a CCS connector. But again, back in the day, the two Zoes that I had only had AC plugs on, a 21-kilowatt-hour battery, a 41-kilowatt-hour battery as well. The new Renault Zoe, sorry, the new Renault 5, a slip of the tongue, the new Renault 5 will have the same battery size, but a slightly higher range. Over 30,000 Renault Zoes were sold in the UK, and almost 400,000 of them in Europe. So if this is not a car that you get where you're listening to this podcast, don't underestimate the popularity of the Renault Zoe. Back with the Nissan Leaf, one of the OGs of the electric world. There's been three versions of it now. The most recent version, like I say, has the CCS connector. But I think more recently, I saw those stories flying around about the Zero Star Euro NCAP rating. Used to be a five-star car. And as the test got harder, the vehicle didn't get safer, which is interesting. Bits were deleted from the car, like the airbags and whatnot. And um, I certainly saw some pushback on that from the Renault Zoe community, from people saying, well, hang on a minute, you're just sort of not loving this car as much as we do. Renault cited high costs to upgrade the Zoe to meet the latest safety standards. The company is now shifting towards uh, more of an electric portfolio with uh, new vehicles in the lineup, like the Megane E-Tech as well, and uh, the Scenic is going electric as well. So the the five, the four, the baby crossover. But we'll miss. I'll certainly miss the Renault Zoe. And if you pick one of those up used, and I've seen them flying, flying around, some early ones for three, four thousand battery owned. That's the I model. High mileage, obviously. I, I saw a low mileage one. It was a 10-year-old, 12-year-old car, whatever, 11-year-old car. Um, early, early, early Zoe, battery-owned iModel, done like 20,000 miles. So this this person's driven it a couple of thousand miles a year. And that was going for the sort of mid-thousands, like four, 5,000. And I thought, Mike, I'd buy it for the battery alone. And, you know, if I could take the battery out of it and have it as home storage, because that's, that's easily worth that. So... What a great little car um, as a second or even third car in your driveway. What a great first car for somebody to get into. If you're going to get one, just watch out battery lease or battery owned. Make the right choice. Next up, we'll talk the new car from Volkswagen, the ID7. That car looks properly sorted. All the reviews of the ID7 say, yeah, this is really good. It's really big. It's incredible seats in the ID7. The screens are now bigger. The software is now quicker. The, the chips are better. It's a, hot, it just, it's a great experience. And the ID7 has now got its five-star Euro NCAP safety rating, the highest rated models of 2023. Uh, just flew through the test. The Euro NCAP rating involves four key categories, with the ID7 excelling in occupant protection for adults with a 95 score on that. Also, good scores for occupant protection for children, for other road users, and the driver assist systems. Now, let's talk Citroën next. 
something else cheap and French. Well, I mean, EVs aren't cheap, but the Citroën brand is more of a, let's say, you buy on value, let's say. And they've updated their E-Berlingo. That's their MPV uh, with a better design and more 20% more range as well. The new model arrives in the UK next spring. And they say it's going to have more driver engagement, comfort and better interior technology. The new 54 kilowatt hour battery replaces the old 50 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, 200 miles on the new E-Bolingo MPV, 136 horsepower motor, still charges at up to 100 kilowatts, which is not amazing, but that will get you a 80% charge in less than half an hour. Optional 11 kilowatt three-phase charger on that. And if you need a vehicle that's going to move around a lot of people, then this could be something worth looking at. Volkswagen commercial vehicles are next. And one of our headline stories, confirming the development, or VWN, uh, confirming the development of the new transporter, the new Caravelle, with plug-in and fully electric versions of the new Transporter and the new Caravelle. The new lineup will feature a panel van in two sizes, a, a platform van, a crew cab, the electric Caravelle. Pre-sales in Germany for the new Transporter begin by the end of this year, but no specific specifications that I can tell you about that. It shares technology with the Ford Transit Custom and the E-Transit Custom, and that production's happening in Turkey. Now, thinking through the potential options for it could well have 160 kilowatt motor on that with a 76 74 maybe kilowatt hour battery if it's sharing the transit technology uh, so that would give it a WLTP range of 380 kilometers and you would think 80% charge in 35 40 minutes because that'll peak at about 125 kilowatt uh charge speed 11 kilowatt onboard charger you would think it's going to be a european van and honestly if this is going to be either the the seated version or the rv version if you like for sticking a, you know, a day van sticking some surfboards on the top your bikes on the back 380 400 kilometers for the european market that is going to be fine as long as they do loads of utility like 230 volt sockets and loads of usbs and loads of onboard power and all that kind of stuff because it's you can do that, and if you, if you do that, it's going to make a great day van, a great camper van, a great work van for the panel van version as well. Watch this space. It's going to be a brilliant uh, addition to those that want something a little bit different. We'll take a quick break. If you would like your podcast ad-free, I'll tell you how you do that after the ad. Stick around. So, yeah, if you'd like your podcast ad-free, dead easy to do. You can sign up to our Patreon page. We're powered by Patreon. That means individuals and organizations, awesome people like you, support this podcast. $5, $10 a month, many people do, exec producer. And if you get any value from this, if you learn something, if you're entertained by it, maybe. Uh, but if you learn something from this podcast and you feel like at the end of it, it's 20 minutes well spent, you're up to date, it saves you surfing the internet for hours and hours a day because you're too busy for that, then have a look at our Patreon page. No, it very much appreciate any support that you can do because this is the only way that I make money by the way this is my job and touch wood so far it's going okay uh, patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash evnewsdaily now VW are next in the news and Volkswagen historically haven't used a lot of Chinese factories they've done things like imported shock absorbers from Central Europe for its Chinese factories but now buying them locally in China is a 40% cost reduction and that's just one example that I can give you about why Volkswagen is 
assembling a team of nearly 3,000 Chinese engineers to design and build electric cars as part of their new China strategy. The move signifies a big shift as China leads in EVs, impacting the global auto industry. This Saturday, I'm going to do a China special, by the way, because I could do China news every day, but I get the sense from the audience, the feedback. You want to hear a little bit. You want to know what's going on. But this is not a China EV podcast. And so you want to know what's the impact for you, the big stories. But I think on Saturday, I'll do 15, 20 minutes of just China stuff. And if you want to opt in, opt out, you can download that or you can listen or not. It'll be interesting, I hope. Volkswagen's focus on China, its largest market, aims to compete with the Chinese domestic EV makers that have captured a big part of the market over the last two, three years. Chinese governments, banks are heavily investing and subsidising locally EV makers, VW's new Tavascan SUV. That will be made in China, by the way, for the Chinese market and for the European export market. The company faces some tough choices, including potential job cuts in Europe. There's a 10 billion euro cost-cutting plan in VW right now. They acquired a stake in Xiaopeng, if you remember, the Chinese uh, manufacturer, EV maker to be as well, and is replacing many of their European part suppliers with Chinese suppliers driving down costs. But what about another German maker, BW, a BMW, and what they think about the idea of adding gearboxes to EVs? Now, you know that BMW is in bed with Toyota on things like hydrogen development and stuff and solid-state cells and what have you. Well, Toyota have gone all in this week, and I haven't told you the news because it's stupid, uh, that they're going to have manual gearboxes in EVs because they want to recreate the manual combustion experience for EV drivers. And I'm not talking about that because it's daft and stupid and you should never buy one. Why would you? BMW have come out this week and, like me, gone, no, that's stupid, Toyota. BMW's chief technology officer, Frank Weber, uh, dismisses the idea of having fake transmissions and fake engine sounds in BMW's future electric vehicles. Carmakers like Toyota are introducing simulated gearboxes. I think uh, Hyundai have done it with their new N version of the Ionic 5 as well to make drivers feel like they're not leaving combustion world behind to give them an old-fashioned experience in a cutting-edge car. But BMW joked about the possibility and emphasising BMW's focus on integrating electric technology into their vehicles. They said they're prioritising things like how the wheels, the motors and the chassis all coordinate, not putting in fake manual gearboxes that also make sounds that do fake rev blips and also judder the car forward a little bit as you change gear, like a little loss of power as if you've put the clutch down and changed gear, like Toyota are doing, like Hyundai are doing. Uh, Toyota have their manual transmission for EVs that will actually stall the car (laughs) if you don't shift correctly. I mean, Toyota are the biggest car maker in the world, and some days I wonder how on earth that's happened. Because <laughs> either that, or they're just enjoying, you know, an early holiday season, boozy boardroom moment, because who makes these decisions unless they're absolutely off their rocker? Anyway, BMW have gone, yeah, no, we work with Toyota on some things, but the idea of artificial shifting of artificial acoustic cues. No, they're not for us. They're not for BMWs. Thank you very much. No fake gearboxes here. And it's good to know that I'm not completely out of order on that one. Now, let's move on. And Pennsylvania is considering imposing an annual fee on EV drivers. And we could see this in many places around the world, not just in the United States. Pennsylvania is proposing a 290 
dollar annual fee to that would surpass all other ev registration fees in the us if if i'm correct if i'm wrong let me know by the way but i can't think of anywhere that's higher than 300 dollars a year to register your ev uh, the revenue from this would contribute to the motor license fund that finances highway infrastructure projects and the state police as well the bill already approved by the house committee is targeting non-commercial passenger evs but it excludes hybrids so if you drive a uh, a full EV. They want to come at you in Pennsylvania and make you pay big money, I think, to register your car every single year. 50,000 pure EVs have been sold as of, uh, I was going back a bit, March uh, this year, and about 27,000 plug-in hybrids. So if you, have something, if you live there and you've got something to say, uh, contact the relevant person. Tesla's Cybertruck is next in the news, and I saw this one flying around social media because it's just embarrassing for the driver of this release candidate truck. So it's a it's a Tesla vehicle. It's not one of the first 10 Cybertrucks that was handed out. This is one of the Tesla trucks, and they took it on a bit of a... Well, it just looks like a, a gravelly track, really. I mean, you could drive a normal road car down this thing. In Southern California's Stanislas or Stanislaus National Forest, however I say that, and uh, they appear to have veered off the dirt track just slightly to pick up a Christmas tree, a downed Christmas tree. Now, maybe this person was picking up a Christmas tree for the Tesla Christmas party, or maybe for their own home in front of a log fire. Isn't that a lovely scene to imagine? But sadly, it all turned very sour when they couldn't pull back onto the trail. It's Coral Hollow Trail. It's a little bit snowy on the ground, looks a little bit icy by the look of it, and they got stuck. So what Elon Musk described as having, and I quote, insane off-road capabilities couldn't do what I think the average car could do. Now, Jalopnik website says... It has the factory standard Goodyear all-terrain tyres. Now, I don't do off-roading, but off-roading is a lot about tyres. It's about, like, winter tyres, like even on-roading. Having the right tyres, the right tread, the right grip for the right time of year can make all the difference. You can have a two-wheel drive car outperform an all-wheel drive car if it's on the right tyres. And so tyres are everything, but these are the factory tyres, and it got stuck on what was a pretty... This is a very shallow gradient. Uh, the wheels, that it's on Instagram. There's two videos. Uh, somebody's just like, what is going on? This Cybertruck is just spinning its wheels. So that could be a, a tyres thing, could be a, a driver thing. It just could be the driver that is out from Tesla in the Cybertruck uh, to uh, to take the vehicle out is not experienced at off-roading. They're just, like, flooring it and spinning the wheels. However, a Ford F-250 came to its rescue. Now, on this release candidate one, there's no tow hook either. Now, I presume there's a tow hook on the production models when you eventually get your Cybertruck. There should be a tow hook, because Elon Musk described it as having insane off-road capabilities. But this one can't go up a mild gradient in slightly slippery conditions without being rescued by a Ford F-250. It's really embarrassing, and I don't know whether this uh, this driver of this vehicle is still an employee of Tesla, but what would make this person? It's got loads of media coverage and just people going, oh, Cybertruck can't even go off the slightest, even like soft roading without getting stuck. Now, it probably can on the right tyres with the right drive and maybe deflate them a little bit, look at the pressures, but 
<laughs> this one got stuck in, like, frankly, a road car could get out of. Embarrassing. Right, let's move on. And a pristine 13, 14-year-old Tesla Roadster has been found. It's got 38 miles on the clock. I love stories like this. There's a, a few of them float around over the years. This one was discovered in New Mexico. It's VIN 592. It's done about 30 miles. You think Tesla would test drive it about 30 miles. So really... Maybe 38 miles is entirely test drive mileage by Tesla. And so uh, maybe it went to a service center once or something and had a couple of miles. But otherwise, it has not been driven for 13 years. So depending on how the battery was stored, could be bricked. Might not be, by the way. If the battery was in and, and they unplugged all of the electrics from it and it's just sat with no draw at the right state of charge, the battery might not be bricked, but it probably is. Um, but it is what a moment in time. Amazing. The Tesla Roadster, the, the, the car that started it all, a 38-mile car, never driven. If I was Tesla, I'd look, be looking to buy back all of these that I possibly could. At any price, they've got the money. And stick them in the reception of you know Giga Texas and in Fremont and whatever. And as people come into your building, I'd have these. Like, look, this is VIN 592. It's, this is an early one. I don't know who would buy this. I don't think Tesla don't seem like a backward looking company yet. I think they're very much like a forward looking company uh, that are not interested in, you know, going back and buying old roasters. But if I were them, I would. I'd have these cars in, in the museum somewhere because Tesla is pivotal to the move to EV. It's such an important car, this Roadster as well. And this car is going to be in the condition that it left the factory. Amazing. Anyway, it's now with Gruber Motors. You won't be surprised to hear they specialise in getting these things back on the road. And finally, a recent survey showed that 71% of American adults are concerned about where EV batteries go at the end of their life. Despite the increase in recycling facilities, 40% of adult Americans believe that lithium-ion EV batteries are non-recyclable and they go to landfill. This survey highlights a widespread misunderstanding regarding the recyclability of EV batteries, which are already occurring at decent volumes, by the way. And the process allows the extraction and reuse of valuable materials like cobalt, lithium, manganese, nickel. Some of these that can be entirely uh, recovered and re-refined actually get better over time. And some of these elements of EV batteries are infinite. You can just keep recycling them over and over again. They will never, ever have to be dug out of the ground again. Automakers are incentivized to recycle EV batteries because of how valuable they are. I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, you know, cheap EVs that are three, four, five thousand. The battery in them is worth more than that. And so, well, to me at least, but obviously not because they're on the market and people aren't buying them. If the batteries were worth that, they'd be snapped up and the rest of the car would be scrapped, I guess. But still, improved customer education is definitely needed. So if you know somebody like that, you meet them over the holiday period and they say, oh, you drive an EV or you're into EVs and the batteries are terrible, you can... You can perhaps, in a friendly, nice way, bring them up to speed. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.